where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Swing and a high, towering fly ball to left. At the track, at the wall, it is gone! Paul DeYoung with a mammoth to run home. Um, that's a good way to describe it. Everything does look kind of quiet, under control. Uh, the way he's taking pitches out of the zone right now looks really good. Uh, sliders down and away, not offering at him, and then doing damage whenever they come in the zone. But it's looked really good. The Cardinals win! Cardinals are coming! Brooke Grimsley is here. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis is here. I'm Randy Carrick, and we go to the celebrity line. We go to Southern California today, where Katie Wu from The Athletic is standing by. This is her favorite trip of the year because Katie is a native of the Bay Area. Uh, Katie, first of all, good morning. Thanks for getting up early in L.A. How was San Francisco? Of course, Randy. Good morning. San Francisco was great. It is always so exciting for me to go back to that ballpark and go back and see some friends and family. Um, But from a professional standpoint, you know, not a lot of fun things to write about in San Francisco this series. No, it was not great. Do you get garlic fries when you go to Oracle Park? Um, Yes. Once, once a series, you have to do it. It's, I mean, it's uh, certainly a, a delicacy, I would say, in San Francisco. So, yes, I did do that. And you mentioned not a lot of great things to to write about, not a lot of great things to watch if you're a Cardinal fan over the course <laughs> of those four days. But did, did something happen yesterday? Was, could yesterday have been the event, or do you think that was just kind of an anomaly? You know, I thought yesterday was perhaps the Cardinals' most complete win of the season. I think, you know, obviously Miles Michaelis did not get off to the start that he wanted, but what we saw from Miles yesterday was much more indicative of what he looked like last season. I think that version of Miles Michaelis is what the Cardinals have been expecting. You look at the offense, I know Logan Webb, is a, he's a good pitcher. He's their ace of the, of the giant staff, and for the Cardinals to be able to break through in the seventh there uh, with that Alec Burleson home run, that's pretty exciting. So, I'm not sure if it was a break. I do think one thing that went well for the Cardinals that hasn't gone well really all season was the bases loaded play with Andrew Kisner um, diving into home plate against Tyro Estrada there. Off the bat, you kind of think, oh, no, this is kind of the play where things go sideways and something bad happens. But for Kiz to make that play, on a, honestly, a really tough read, that was encouraging for me. So we will see. But um, certainly a big start for Jack Flaherty tonight as these Cardinals look to ride, ride their ship. Well, and Katie, obviously the big story this week was Jordan Walker getting sent down. Was that a move that you were surprised about? I know that you wrote about it on The Athletic. Was that a move that you were surprised about? And were you guys able to talk to Jordan after that? And what do you think that his feelings were and how he's going to handle this? And how soon do you think that we'll see him again? So we were not able to talk to Jordan. um, But what both Ollie Marmel and John Mozalek said, and I don't think this is a surprise if you know, obviously you guys have gotten to know Jordan a little bit as well. He handled it like a total professional. Obviously, it's very disappointing. Um, I I certainly understand the fans' frustration behind the move, but Jordan was very receptive. Ollie remarked on 
the questions that Jordan asked. It was, okay, what do I need to work on here? Or if I do this, what can I expect the outcome to be? He was very prepared, very understanding that this was a move that was in management and the front office's view better for the team. Um, obviously, Jordan Walker is an exceptional talent. I think Ollie used the word super superstar to describe him on a Wednesday. And the Cardinals know he's going to be back. This, to me, was just a read of how, I don't want to say unprepared, but what happens when you have five outfielders trying to get consistent playing time? Unfortunately, Walker is the one who's in the lose-now situation, but by moving Walker down to the minors temporarily, it kind of ups the ante on the four remaining guys in Alex Wilson, Lars Nubar, Tyler O'Neill, and Dylan Carlson to go out there and play every day, see what you can do consistent playing time, and win some spots. I think it, that it's fair to say, okay, we have not been a consistent Cardinals team. The outfield has not played consistently. But from the player's perspective, how can the front office and management expect the Cardinals and the outfield to play consistently when no one is getting playing or consistent playing time? And that's not because they're underperforming. It's because, really, if you think about it, the Cardinals have so much depth, it was – it was impossible for those for those five players to see playing time every day. So I do understand the rationale behind the Walker move. Do I think it is so disappointing for fans? Absolutely. Uh, the good news is that he'll be back. Uh, and now we kind of get to see the reasonable expectations for Dylan Carlson and the reasonable expectations for Tyler O'Neill and Newt Barr and Burleson going forward. What does that mean for the guys that are here now? As you said, you got four outfielders still. You can only play three, and we assume Jordan Walker will be back at some point you got two guys that are still going to be on the outside looking in. How does this get sorted out uh, with those four guys and soon to be five at whenever Jordan comes back? Well, it's going to be a competition, right? So each day these guys are out there playing for something. And we talked to Ollie over the series and he said there's going to be three different variations of the outfield, but you can expect Tyler O'Neill to remain in left field uh, most of the time. And, you know, Tyler O'Neill has two gold gloves in left field, so that checks out. Um, a lot of these things sort of sort themselves out. You know, you obviously never want to go out there and predict injury, and that's certainly not what I'm doing, but those, that is a part of the game. And also the Cardinals are in a great position from a depth perspective, both at the major league uh, level and with their, uh, their pipeline in the farm system, to make a trade if they have to. So, it, again, not having Jordan Walker temporarily is really disappointing from a fan's perspective, but it does allow the Cardinals to figure out who they have in the outfield, who can play, who can they count on going forward, and also allows them to showcase possible trade potential for all of these guys. Because I think when the Cardinals started the season, you could make the argument that all five of those outfielders would start on at least 20 other major league teams, um, especially in Dylan Carlson's case, but he wasn't able to get that. So to wrap it up, I do think that uh, the Cardinals have a positive in their direction here because they are going to be able to create kind of their own I don't know, their own feel for their outfield, and they could possibly shop one, you know, come summer. Last question about the outfield. Was there any talks when Jordan went down that he could be working on a different position, maybe center field, or is he going to just stick with right field? He's going to stick with right field. Um, you know, it's it's really tough for a guy to go out and learn a new position at the professional level, regardless of what level it is, for Jordan to do that at the major league level and handle it the way that he has. I mean, I know he didn't look like the sharpest outfielder out there, but I think that was to be expected and how he handled those difficult routes and the reads. He'll only get better in AAA there. But the big focus that they want Jordan to, the Cardinals want Jordan to focus on, is his offense. Um, you look at the ground ball rate, he hasn't really been in the air much. The hard hit velocity is 
excellent. You want him to keep that, but the Cardinals do want him to tweak a little bit of his adjustment, a little bit of his posture to get the ball in the air more. And he'll be able to do that with much more ease and a lot less pressure and definitely more consistent playing time all in Memphis. Katie Wu, who does a sensational job covering the Cardinals for The Athletic, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Katie, I want to go back to that uh, that phrase you use, reasonable expectations for these outfielders. And you mentioned Dylan Carlson. Do you feel like since last July, when John Mosaic in Washington, D.C., went to Dylan Carlson and said, look, we aren't trading you, that those reasonable expectations on the part of the ball club have changed? That's a great question, Randy. And honestly, I'm not sure because I don't think we've seen Dylan Carlson enough this season to know what his expectations are. And that goes back to what we just talked about with the outfield. You know, Dylan is an exceptional talent. He's young, switch hitting. I think, I think in my opinion, from the eye test, I know the metrics don't always back it up, that Carlson is their best defensive center fielder. You'd like to see him get going a little bit more against the left side, but the Cardinals are more optimistic than they were last year of where he is from that standpoint. I mean, I think at one point, when he was one of the top prospects in the organization, the hope was that Carlson could be their starting right fielder of the future because at the time there was Harrison Bader. Um, I'm not sure if the expectations have dwindled for Carlson yet, but I think that's what the Cardinals are trying to find out. And it's not just a Dylan thing. He does seem to look like the odd man out at the moment. And that's because the Cardinals don't know what they have really with Alex Burleson yet. And they're trying to figure out if what Lars Newbar did last second half it was sustainable and if that's a reasonable expectation for his career. So as you can tell, it's a little bit messy when we look at just how do you figure out what the Cardinals need from Dylan because they're also trying to figure out what they can expect from all of the other outfielders at the same time. Adam Wainwright will be getting one more rehab start this upcoming Sunday. How do you see things shaking out with his return? Because we've seen that Steven Matz is one of the starting pitchers that's still kind of struggling a little bit. But how does things change when Waino returns to the starting rotation? Yeah, that's a good question, Brooke. I think... When you look at the rotation, you look at performance, Jake Woodford's done a very admirable job in that um, in that fifth role or fifth starter role, if you will. Um, and Stephen Matz's struggles are, are legit. Uh, but we talked to Ollie yesterday after the win, and the question was, you know, if Adam does come back, this was before it had been decided that he was going to go on that rehab start, could Matz be someone that moves to long relief? And Ollie is pretty – or the question was, you know, what are you telling Matz right now? And Ollie was like, I'm just telling Matz and patting him on the back, and I'm saying go get him. Um, he understood the question, but it seems like they're going to keep Matt's in their rotation, keep him as that left-handed option. Um, and if you're looking at the five, I think, again, Woodford was the last one in the rotation, so it makes sense that he's the first one out, but certainly no knock on him. What makes Woodford so valuable is his versatility. He can be that spot starter. He can do long relief. Um, but I think what the Cardinals really need from Adam is that leadership standpoint. I think they've been a little bit lost without him. I mean, he is invaluable in that aspect, and Look, I, I know he was on your show yesterday, when, uh, Wednesday. I know the velocity is a thing, but I think we're all aware that his velocity has never been in the mid-90s. Uh, you don't need him to be there. You just need Adam Wainwright to be able to pitch like the pitch maker that he is. So hopefully the Cardinals get him back in both ways uh, after his rehab start on Sunday. They could certainly need him. But the starting rotation, honestly, this, uh, this road trip has looked a lot better. Hey, Katie, one last thing before we let you go. And I ask this because I, I have great respect for your ability to to kind of have your finger on the pulse of the mood of a clubhouse. How is this group now going through these struggles? What's the mood like down there? Well, I'll tell you this, Randy. You walk in after a clubhouse after the first win for a while, and the music was so loud, it almost took me back. It surprised me. It's like, it's been a minute since I walked into a clubhouse that had a little bit of personality. Um and, but that's to be expected, right? Obviously, you're not, you're not going to do that during a loss. I will say this. To the Cardinals' credit, 
off to their most disappointing start in literally 50 years. And every day you walk into that clubhouse pregame and they are exactly the same. Like, obviously, they're not happy by any means of how they're playing, but they're relaxed, they're loose, they're easy to talk to, they're approachable. Um, I think Ollie's done a tremendous job in trying to answer questions, um, you know, on what's going wrong when no one in that clubhouse really has an idea. Um, I think the Cardinals' ability to keep a steady, level head has prevented this from somehow spiraling even worse. And if you're asking yourself, well, how could it get any worse? I promise you it can. Um <laughs> And even after games, you know, they're frustrated, they're upset, they don't know what's going wrong, but they're always available to answer questions. And I never caught a sense of panic from the clubhouse. I 100% caught a sense of bewilderment or frustration or um, just kind of like this is absurd from the clubhouse, but they never panicked. And I think that to me was enough for me not to sound the alarm you look at the, the talent on the roster, you look at the talent on paper, the options that the Cardinals can do come the trade deadline with their depth, and it allows you to take a deep breath, right, and say, okay, they cannot be this bad for this long. There is just no way. And I think the Cardinals' internal confidence in themselves helps keep them somewhat afloat during what has just been, honestly, a brutal April. Katie Wu, great stuff as always. Thanks so much. We advise everybody who doesn't have a subscription to The Athletic to get one to read your sensational work covering the ball club. Have a great weekend in L.A., and we'll see you next week. Guys, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Katie Wu from The Athletic on 101 ESPN.